The sermon this morning comes from Colossians chapter 1. I'll be reading verses 1 through 14. That's Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. I prepared the sermon um, using the New American Standard. I apologize if that throws anybody off. That's where I'll be reading from this morning. When I was in seminary, I had already been preaching quite a bit before I had had any preaching classes. Um, Dr. Pruto told me he thought he could make me a good preacher. I arrogantly responded, I'm already a good preacher. I need you to make me a great preacher. I never got an A from, from him at all. There was a time when I got up to preach. You, you preach in chapel, and chapel, all your fellow students were there. And all the professors were there as well. And I remember climbing up into the pulpit one day thinking, I got this. I got this. I am going to show these people. I am going to knock it out of the park. And then it was as if the ground trembled and the giants walked in, the great men. Great men, uh, they aren't huge. Some of the greatest men I've known have been the oldest, the smallest, and the frailest. They have actually been the most beautiful and most powerful men. When I was coming to Eastvale, I was being told what, who my elders were, and they mentioned Joe Caskey, and he described Joe Caskey as a prince of a man. I thought, I can't wait to meet a prince of a man. Well, there are people that are beautiful and, str- and strong and glorious. One, in, one of my professors, Dr. Wayne Spear, One day in class, he was speaking and talked about a man who had turned away from the church and turned away from the faith altogether. And I asked him why. And Dr. Spear, he he struck this posture and he crossed his arms and he put his chin, hand to his chin and he looked off and with his old wise voice, he said, only the Lord God can judge a man's heart. And then he followed and said, I can tell you, though he was very discouraged with the church. And he looked across at each of us in the eye and he said, and there will always be many reasons to be discouraged with the church. And then he dropped his hand and he put his knuckles on my desk and he leaned forward and he grinned. He said, but with that, there will be many reasons to be encouraged as well. There will always be many reasons to be discouraged with the church. There will always be many reasons to be discouraged with ourselves in our own hearts, our own failures, our own shortcomings. There will always be many reasons to be discouraged with the world and the tides of the world. But with that... There will be many reasons to be encouraged as well. Now the scripture tells us that through all of these things we will overwhelmingly conquer. And I can just take that and get excited and get strong and stand mighty, I think. But it follows up, it says, in him. Overwhelmingly conquer in him. Now, I'm probably not telling you anything you haven't heard or anything you haven't known. 
my life as I am finding it. I'm not learning new things about Jesus. I'm just learning that I actually need him more. If I tell you you need Jesus, each of us will probably shrug and say, yeah. You need air. Yeah. But you don't know how much you need it until you're trapped below the surface of the water. We go through our struggles. We go through our trials that we'll see how much we need Jesus. How much we rely on His strength. How much we would rely on His encouragement. So I'm calling you together now, flock, to listen for the voice of Christ. You find out now. You see now. If you hear Him. You see now. If you find many reasons to be encouraged. Filled with courage. Strengthened. Not based on what we are seeing, but based on what He is saying. Come and see. Let's turn to the Scriptures. See if these things are so. Colossians 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, just as in all the world also. It is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also, since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf, and he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For He rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We have these beautiful truths laid before us 
Look at the work that God has done in Paul's heart. He went from breathing out murderous hatred at the church to laying his life down for Christ and the church. Speaking these beautiful words of love and truth and endurance and hope and confidence being brought to you for your encouragement and hope. I'm going to point you here to these words of Christ, to these, these strokes of the blade that would do great works in our heart like a, a careful surgeon showing us where our hope lies and why we each can and are to be encouraged. Our first step is from verse 2. It's be encouraged to be a saint. Verse 2, to the saints. This word saint or hagias, the, the holy ones. The word holy has this idea of a cut and a separate. We think of God as holy, holy, holy. He is completely separated and removed from creation. Here we see that you are called saints, that you are called holy. You have been taken and you have been moved. This language in verse 13 describes your holiness. For He rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. We understand that there is a judgment on the world that dwells in darkness, but you have been taken and moved to this place of light and truth. Here you abide and here you will abide forever and ever. It lays out here what we have done and where we have been. I'll point you to 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11. through 11. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? This place of shadow and darkness under judgment. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you. What we've done. But we're not dwelling on what we've done. We're moving to what He has done. This transition. It says, But you were washed. But you were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. You are saints, rescued, saved, set apart, washed, justified, sanctified. But how? How? We continue in verse 2. Be encouraged by grace. To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, grace to you. This grace, I invite you, every time you read grace in the Newer Covenant, think of all the language in the Older Covenant and in the Psalms that talks about His loving kindness. That is, His covenant faithfulness. 
that though we sin and fall short of the glory of God, He is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. This great rescue and this great salvation, as God has seen fit to, uh, to break me down and to give me four flat tires in my own life, I have found great comfort in Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. Let not the mighty man boast in his might, and also not the wise man boast in his wisdom, or the rich man boast in his riches. I'm not that wise, and I'm not rich. It's the, the might that I would have striven for and would strive for. Let not the mighty man boast in his might, but let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. The Lord, the Lord God, who exercises loving kindness and justice and righteousness on the earth. For I delight in these things, says the Lord God. Loving kindness, covenant faithfulness. He does everything, everything. He says He's going to do. As we read even the prayers in Colossians 1, this will that God has for you, He is going to do it. He's going to accomplish it. I run, or rather sometimes I fall to Philippians 1.6, that He who has begun a good work in you, He will bring it to completion in Christ Jesus. We never fall so far back that we're lost. We're never so far down a creek that he can't bring us back. He rescues. He saves. How? By grace. By loving kindness. By his covenant faithfulness. This rolls over and brings us nicely to our, the next step on our stone as we walk across this creek. Our third step is be encouraged by peace. To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. I, I historically don't know how to relax. It's one of my problems. When Kelly Moore asked me, what do you do to relax? I said, I don't know. And he said, ask your wife. I asked my wife and she said, in our 22 years together, she has never seen me relax. Vacations were a real struggle. Um, anything we did, I felt the need to try to be epic, to try to accomplish something, to be able to demonstrate some fruit from what I was doing because I thought that was where my worth was. I had to have something to show for everything. I couldn't play in the creek with my kids without making the best dam someone has ever seen. We couldn't go sled riding without me making the most epic ramp that someone had ever seen. Or else I felt worthless. No peace. There's no peace. In living that way. There's no peace in your Christian life if it's based on what you do. You'll have no peace. You'll struggle. 
You will strive, and you will fall short <laughs> again and again and again. And if your measure of worth is what you do, you're worthless. And we grieve and we weep and we fall away because we've shown it all to be a lie. Where is the peace that we see here? Grace to you and peace from God our Father. The peace that we have is in the reconciliation of Christ. He was epic. <laughs> he is epic. He lived that perfect life. And he became that perfect sacrifice. Love for you. Grace to you. And peace from God our Father in the Lord Jesus Christ for your encouragement. Our next step is be encouraged by hope. Verse 5. We are in this place and we are moving along and we have this encouragement taking us to Christ. We have this love because of Christ. Verse 5 says, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. Hope. What is this, this hope as we look for it? There's a, a worldly cultural view of hope. It goes something like this. Are we having pizza tonight? And the answer is, I hope so. What is this hope? This hope, let's run and let's tie it to faith. There is some overlap with faith as we consider it. This assurance of things hoped for. This conviction, conviction of things not seen. That we know that God is and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. We see that faith, hope, and love abide these three, that these three are, that they exist, that they will never be undone. I'll tell you, as I've been struggling along, I, I keep whispering to myself sometimes, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. It's not wishful thinking. It's what he's promised. Hope laid up for me in heaven. We will even see his righteousness on the earth. I'm looking at you now as a church. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. I look to you as individuals even. If I could call you out each by name, I would. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Not because I say so. But I plead with you to listen to the voice of your Savior and to know it. To know that He is your Good Shepherd. He leads you in paths of righteousness for His namesake. And even as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you need fear no evil because He is with you. 
are going to be okay. Our next step is to be encouraged by increasing fruit. Verses 5 and 6. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you, just as in all the world also, it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. As you fall back to the grace of God in truth, the fruit manifests. If you're not being good or righteous in order to win some favor, in order to be good, in order to be accepted, in order to be received, but we fall back and we fall into the arms of Christ where we are loved and received by grace, then it's okay. It's okay to stumble. It's okay to be weak. It's okay to demonstrate it. And do you know, once you realize it's okay for you to be weak, you can love the other people who are stumbling as well. It's okay for them to be weak. And there we show this fruit. There's love and there's joy and there's peace. And Christ is glorified as we stand in him. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. We are and we live in this place as we see ourselves standing in grace and encouraged in grace. Our next step, we continue in verse 6. Our next step is be encouraged if you understand the gospel of God in truth. Verse 6, which has come to you just as in all the world also. It is constantly bearing fruit and increasing even as it has been doing in you since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. How are you a Christian? How are you a Christian, is a bit of a question. I asked a, a young man who was zealous and wanted to be a missionary, I asked, so what's the gospel? And he said, well, first of all, predestination. And I'm not sure if I slapped my own forehead in the moment or not. I said, let's uh, at least unpack that as we're considering this. I also was trying to help someone who said they're not sure if they're a Christian anymore or not. Maybe you've been there. I have a friend who says he's a, a Christian by a thread. I'm not sure what you do with that. The person that said they weren't sure if they're a Christian or not anymore, I, I was literally confused in the moment. And I said, what do you mean? I said, let's just, let's just draw this line in the sand. Do you believe that God is, he's a rewarder of those who seek him? Do you believe that Jesus Christ came and lived a perfect life and died in your place? And they 
it looked like I hit him in the head with a two-by-four. They said, yes. I said, well then, I think that should clear up most of our confusion. <laughs> Do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus Christ came? Do you believe he died as a righteous sacrifice in your place? And you're going to be okay. <laughs> you're going to be more than okay. You're rescued. You're saved. You're transitioned. You're transferred. God has done a miraculous work. In Acts 16:14, Lydia is described. It says, The Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. In Acts 13, 48, it says, All those who were appointed to eternal life believed. One of my favorite verses to sing is, uh, sings about the wonders he has done. I often tell my own congregation, Look around. Look around. Every heart, every soul in this room that believes is a wonder that he has done. If you yourself believe, you are a wonder that he has done. He will accomplish the good work that he has begun in you. Be encouraged if you understand the gospel of God and truth. Next, be encouraged if you love in the Spirit. Verse 8, and he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. Let's take that love in there and let's flip it over and just say in love for a moment. Just about everybody desperately longs to be in love <laughs> or to have someone that is in love with them. We start off in our courtship so encouraged and so excited, so happy someone is in love with me. That, that fizzles a bit. <laughs> Life gets real. Life gets painfully real. We get discouraged and we get disappointed because that love, it no longer looks like what we would imagine it to look like. But Philippians 2, 1 through 8 unpacks this love in the Spirit that really is what you're actually thirsty for. This in love that you think will answer you. It won't. <laughs> Even marriage that many of us long for, it's only till death does us part. How much of eternity is that? This, is this little nugget. This is this little line in this eternal line, a true line. Philippians 2, 1 through 8, Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. 
doing nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourself, which also was in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. I'm going to think of that as, he didn't think of it as something to be held on to. He had that equality, but he went ahead and he let go, as it continues in verse 7, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. It's love. This love. We love. Why? Because he first loved us. Right? That's, that's how we understand this love. As we long for love towards us, it's really from this place of being loved in Christ, being loved by him, and loving as we have been loved. And we find this encouragement in the Spirit as we love in the Spirit of Christ. Our next step is to be encouraged by His will for you. I'm so excited for you all. I'm so excited for you all. I invite you, as you read the Scripture, as you're given instruction, to see that as His will for you. And to know that He will accomplish it in Christ Jesus. It's miraculous. It's beautiful. It's amazing. You've been loved. You've been washed. You've been sanctified. You've been justified. And He will accomplish His will that He has for you. Starting with verse 9, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you. And understand, He's praying in the Spirit, the will of God, to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power, according to His glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience. And I cried when I read that patience part this morning. <laughs> for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. That qualified. I find I lack quality. <laughs> I find I lack quality. This is my stumbling and my shortcoming. I lack quality. But we look and we see He has qualified us Christ's quality applied to us. He has qualified us to share in the inheritance. That's Christ's inheritance. In the saints of light. And uh, 
let's let's just keep rolling from 12 to 13. It's, it, that's a sad break right there. He has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, for he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. How glorious. How glorious. This is your eternal reality if you believe you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. You're going to be more than okay. You see His will for you. Be encouraged in Christ. Let's pray. Our God... You are gracious and faithful, abounding in loving kindness and truth, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, and yet will by no means leave guilt unpunished. We thank you that our guilt has been punished in Christ. We thank you for having transitioned us from that dominion of darkness to the kingdom of your beloved Son. And we thank you for the great will that you have for us in Christ. May we bear up. May we listen for his voice. And may we follow Christ in paths of righteousness for his namesake. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.